0: This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to His disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, I'm Sorry and Repent. It comes from Psalm 6. If you'd like to hear a previous lesson, you can listen online at our Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com radio Bible class with no spaces. Again, that's www.facebook.com radio Bible class with no spaces between radio Bible class. Christian radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the radio Bible class on the air as a witness for Jesus. By making a charitable contribution, you are helping reach people in our listening area and over the internet. You can make a donation safely and securely by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information over the phone. Or send us your gift to WordTalk, Inc. P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Your gift to WordTalk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Today, we pick up with Psalm 6, and we see that David has a repentive heart. One of the hardest things for all of us to do is to admit that we are wrong. To a certain extent, we don't want to acknowledge that we're wrong because that means we failed. That means we've sinned. Eventually, we have to come to a point where we will face our sin and we admit our sin. Psalm 6 today shows us how to address this properly. It leads us down the path of sorrow and humility. It shows us how to repent. David used this as a person who repented of his sins and his wrongdoings. He seeks forgiveness from God. If you go out and read the commentary, you'll find that this is one of seven penitent psalms. Psalm 6, 32, 38, 51, 102, 130, and 143 are all penitent psalms. Penitence is a language that expresses sorrow and humility and our hatred over sin. Penitence is a person who repents of their sin and their wrongdoings, and they seek forgiveness from God like David did. In our daily prayer time, there should be some aspect of this in our prayer life. We should be broken over our sin. If we can't admit and face our sin, then we will never grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, in Psalm 6, we'll see David's brokenness over his sin. He's fully aware that he deserves a rebuke, and he's feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he asks for grace when God deals with him strongly. The trouble of his sin and the effects of the result of his sin has made him sick, physically ill. David is so broken of the sin that he's moaning and he's flooding his bed with tears. He's not pointing a finger at someone else and blaming them. No, that's not what it is. He's accepting his responsibility for his action, and he's asking for restoration. When we go to the throne of God, seeking his mercy and his deliverance, then we need to do so just like David with the spirit of humility. David ends this psalm with a prayer of assurance. His enemies are pointing fingers at him for all that he has done wrong. Yet he knows that God hears his prayers. And he also knows that God accepts his prayers. That should give us excitement today. We have that same assurance that when we go before God, that he's going to hear our prayer. And when we have that humility, when we repent, when we feel bad about our wrongdoing, we seek forgiveness. He is just and faithful to restore us. So let's look at the first couple of verses. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Turn to Psalm 6, and we'll read the first three verses. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is in greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? So the first thing I want you to see from this psalm is that David has a plea for relief. And he says that in verse 1. Now, David starts out and says, do not rebuke me in your anger, O Lord. We don't know what the occasion of this sin was, but because of David's sin, he sensed that he was under the rebuke of God. Therefore, he called out to God to lighten his punishment. You know, everything that happens to us is not God's hand. A lot of times we suffer trouble because we brought it upon ourselves. But nevertheless, there are certain times when the Lord does bring punishment above us. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son who he receives. So here we see Paul saying that God does chastise us at times. Just like the Bible teaches us that we should spank our children, God sometimes has to spank us too. So you might ask, Tim, what is David being chastised for? Well, first of all, the commentators say that this is probably written after he had his affair with Bathsheba and he was called out by the prophet Nathan. Remember, he did ask for forgiveness, but he suffered a consequence and he wound up having to lose that son that was born out of wedlock or produced out of wedlock. This psalm doesn't tell us what he's asking relief from. It also could have been, if you remember, God also punished him after he numbered the people when he wasn't supposed to. If you remember about that, God sent a plague that was over three days and it killed over 70,000 people. And David was broken over that as well because he knew that he caused his people to die. Depending on what went on, you can see why David was physically tired and he was spiritually tired. And he was asking for relief from the Lord, how he pleaded for the Lord to have mercy on him. Now, David goes on in verse 1 to say, nor discipline me in your wrath. So we know that God does chasten those or he does discipline those that he loves. We saw that in verse 6. If you go on and read verse 7, though, in Hebrews 12, it says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as a son. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So again, we see that we are disciplined It's for our own good. It's not out of anger. It's not that God doesn't love us. It's not that God is mad at us, but it is for our own good so we will learn our way. That's what we need to make sure we understand is that God loves us. See, we live after the finished work of Jesus Christ all that the anger that God would have towards our sin, he poured out on Jesus. Jesus did the finished work on the cross. He doesn't pour out his anger on us. It was done on Jesus on the cross. Now, David didn't understand that. He lived before that time, so he feels that he's not in the right standing with God, and so he asks for mercy. See, God, though, chases us. He loves us, and he chases us. He He corrects us out of love and not out of anger. And we need to understand that today. Now, the next thing we see when we look at verse two and three, we see that there are two kinds of trouble. We see that there is a physical trouble. and We also see that there is a spiritual trouble. So let's look at both of those. Verse two, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. So whatever's going on here, it bothered david so bad that he was troubled to the bone it's a physical trouble have you ever worried about something so bad that you got into this physical sickness if you go and look it up you'll see that stress you see that worry that brings on a physical attack on the body satan would love to attack you not only does he want to take you down spiritually but if he can take you down physically also that's even better And so what happens is as we worry, as we think about the problems that we have, we become physically sick. And we see here that David says that my bones are troubled. I think about a time that I was going through some stress, a big change in my life, and I couldn't sleep. I physically got wore down to where I was sick with a cold. I had aches over my body. I was trembling because of that cold, almost like I had fever, but I didn't. And it was all over the stress and I ran my body down to a point because I couldn't sleep and I couldn't rest that I physically changed. And so David says right here, I'm so worried over what's going on to me, I'm troubled to my body. David was physically weak and sick. It says that, listen to the New King James Version in chapter two, what it says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me for my bones are troubled. The Contemporary Standard Bible reads, Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. Have pity on me. Heal my feeble body. My bones tremble with fear. What we see here is that David is physically sick, and the commentators say that they believe this is because of what he saw. Remember, The judgments that came from both of these were not necessarily on him physically, but again, 70,000 people died if it was from numbering or his son died that was born out of wedlock. Either way, David is physically sick because he knows that he has created a problem. His sin, and he takes ownership of it. You need to notice that as well. He takes ownership of the sin, but he asks God for relief. Help me. So we see the physical side Now we also see the spiritual side. Look at verse 3 with me. My soul is also greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? I love the way the New Living Translation reads. It says, I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? See, David says, not only am I sick physically, but I am sick at heart. I am sick spiritually. First of all, we all need to understand that we're all sick spiritually. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ, if you've not believed on the risen work that he did, he went to the cross, he died for your sin, he bore your sin, he bore God's anger, and he died for you. If you have not believed on that, if you've not asked him to make him Lord of your life, if you've not believed that Jesus overcame death and he he rose from the grave, if you've not made him master and savior of your Lord, then you are spiritually sick. David says that I'm physically sick, but I'm also spiritually sick. See, David understood that there is two sides. The devil would love to get us down. He would love for us to be so sick that we turn away from our Bible. We quit praying. We quit looking after Jesus because we we just don't feel like it. I can think about times when I was walking in the ways of the world, when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, that I let dust grow on my Bible. There was a time that I did not seek God's face, yet I did seek everything else but God. And too many times that's what we do. When we get into a sick soul that we don't go to the great physician, we go to the world, we go to our friends, we seek out other ways to fix our sickness instead of going to God. And today God is telling someone that is listening to me that you have a sick soul. And I'm ready to heal you. I'm ready to make you well. Will you just reach out to him? That's what he's asking for. Now David finishes up this verse with how long. David realized that he was under correction from God. He knows that he should ask God to shorten that trial. There's nothing wrong with asking God to shorten the trial. I know sometimes we do it, we say how long, but God has us in a season for a reason. There's nothing wrong with asking it. There's a place for us to come before God and be humble. And God yearns for us to come on that frugal on that ground and ask for through humility that he would, he would take care of us, that he would have mercy on us. The thing we should learn from this is that David understood that this was from the result of a sin. He was also remorseful for his sin, but he understood this was the result of his sin. And we should learn that when we come before God, that we created this problem. Most of the problems we go through, we created because we did sin. And we come before him out of repentance, not out of trying to get out of something, but we should have a repentful heart. We should be sorrowful. We should have this pentant spirit that David had, a contrite spirit. Now we can look at verses four and five, and we can see that David also had this urgency of his plea. He writes, Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And Sheol, who will give you praise? First thing we need to see is that David, again, he pleads for deliverance. He he pleads for mercy, but he's not doing it out of his own righteousness saying, Hey, I've, I've asked for forgiveness, so this should go away. But he's asking it in a humble way, saying, how long should this go on? The other thing we see out of this is that David saw that he or felt distant from God. And that's a part of sin in our life. When we have sin in our life, sometimes the agony of the trial that we go through, it makes us seem like God's not there. He is there, but that sin blocks us. I'll give you an example of this. I was flying on a plane one day, and it was raining, just cats and dogs coming down. There's cloud. There is no sun. It's dark. It's gloomy. the The rain's coming down hard. We get on that plane, and we take off, and within 10,000 feet, 20,000 feet, we bust through the clouds, and the sun is shining beautiful, and it's the same way in our life. There are times when it is raining. It is dark. It's gloomy because of the sin that we've allowed into our life. But God's light is still shining. It's just that sin has darkened things. And once we get that sin out of the way, when we bust through the sin, when we ask for forgiveness, the light shines down and it takes over and it it redeems us. And so that's what David does right here. He says, Lord, have mercy on me. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. David is a man after God's own heart and he knows God's heart. He knows that he is a loving God and he's a merciful God. And so he calls out and he says, save me for your mercy's sake. Because what good would it do? In death, there is no remembrance of you. In seal, who will give you praise? And that's how he finishes out verse five. David understands that he has a purpose. David understands that he is the king of Israel. He is to lead his people and teach them how to worship the one true God. What he doesn't want to happen is that he dies and that they go on and they fall from God because of something he did. He knows that he can't fix this problem. He needs God to help them. He needs God to help him to do this. And so we should learn from that. Oh yeah, we may be able to talk our way out of this or that. We may have to tell some other lie to get around this problem. We may have to spend some money to get away from that problem we created. But what David shows us is that we can only solve our spiritual problem through God and his mercy. We need him to help us. And so David says, do not let me die. Do not let this go down on my watch. David was a man after God's own heart, and you and I should follow him spiritually. We should see that when we have sin, we should fall down before God and ask for forgiveness. And we see that right here. Now in verses six and seven, we see that David gives his his state, his physical state that he's in, that people are seeing. What do the people of Israel see and how David is responding? Now, God knew this. God knows everything. We believe that. But David tells him physically what's going on. So look with me at verse six and seven. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. David says, God, my life just seems like it's nothing but tears and misery. This trial, it it has all kinds of stuff on me. I feel like your anger is on me. I feel like I don't have your presence with me. And most of all, I can't sleep. Think about that for a moment. David can't sleep because he's crying all night long. See, David understood that God had been so good to him and that yet he had sinned against God and he was remorseful for that. Let me ask you today, are you remorseful for your sin? When you sin against God, is it no big deal? Or does it keep you up at night crying all night long? Is there a physical response like David had in the psalm, to the sin that he had created. Too many times we think of sin as no big deal. I'll just say a little prayer, it'll go away. Sin should grieve us the way it grieved David. Sin should tear on our heart. When we understand what God did for us, when he sent his son on the cross to die for that sin, we, every time we sin, we should think about the pain that we put Jesus through on that cross. That should make us be like David and be remorseful. It should make us feel sorry and we should feel sad because of what we did to Jesus. That Jesus did it out of love. He loved us before we loved him. But understand, we should be remorseful over our sin. And David shows us this physical state. He can't sleep. He doesn't feel like God's there. And he has all this because he understands that he has sinned against a God that has been so good to him. So is that you today? Do you feel that way about your sin and that what God's, all that the good stuff that he's done for you, all the things that God has done for you, yet we sin against him and we have no remorse? Something else that we can learn from this is that David understood his separation from God, how sin had separated. him. Now, sometimes we feel out of guilt that we're separated, but God never leaves us. i talked about that. But David felt it, and he cried because of that. I think about times in our life when we are separated, when that father has to give his daughter away on that wedding day. How many times are there tears that are shed out of happiness for the new member of the family, but having to give away someone that they love dearly, or at a funeral? even though they know they may be in heaven. How many tears are shed because they know they'll never have to say, I love you again, or they'll never, ever be able to hug them again. I think about grown men that are brawly looking, that melt over losing their mom or their dad that I've seen in the past. And David here is showing us that same physical attribute: how he is wasting away, how he's crying, how he's weeping, Because he no longer feels God near to him. When we sin, how often do we feel that we're separated from God? Are we really just running life ourselves and we bring God in whenever we think we need a genie in a bottle? David understood how much he needed God and he needed God to forgive him. And then we finish up last with David shows us that even those that say stuff about him, even those that make fun of him, David has confidence in what God is going to do. See, David understood who God was, and he knew that he would hear his cry. David declares his confidence. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10 with me. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All of my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. One of the commentators say right here in verse 8 that David may hint at that the sin that caused him to get into trouble, the sin that has him in this state that created this problem may have been an association with the ungodly. And we see that David acts consistently with his change of heart. he tells the ungodly that they need to depart. They need to get away. David tells them, depart from me, all you workers of evil. Too many times when we ask God for forgiveness, when we are sorry for our sin, we don't get rid of the source of the sin. We don't get rid of those workers of iniquity. Those evildoers that bring us and take us into a time of trouble. Some would say that, are you really sorry for the sin? Are you sorry that you got caught? And that's a great question to ask yourself today. And then we hear the confidence in David's voice. He writes, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. Can you not hear the confidence in that statement that David makes? He has agonized. He has cried out to God and God has heard him. Some would tell you that weeping has a voice before God. And I will tell you, it's not that emotion impresses God, but it's the heart that drives the emotion that impresses God. And David shows his heart. He shows that his remorse and God hears his cry. It's not the emotion, but it's the heart and what's coming out of the heart. A good thing that we can get from this though is that even we in those times when we can't speak the words, it, it is our heart, our liquid prayer, our emotions. God sees that and God understands. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit yearns and urges and groans on our behalf. Even when we can't speak the words, God sees the emotion. He sees the heart. And then David continues his confidence. The Lord has heard my plea the Lord accepts my prayer. David knew that God heard his prayer and he accepted it. God hears your prayer. The question is are you praying it out of a of the right spirit? Are you praying it out of a remorse? Are you praying for that sin to be gone, to help you overcome the sin? Don't just get me out of the trouble but help me overcome the sin. Help me to walk closer to you. And David understood that and he says God heard my prayer. I think back to the Old Testament and the nation of Israel and how many times did they get in trouble because they sinned against God, yet any time that they were willing to turn from that sin, any time that they were remorseful, any time that they would cry out to God, he heard them, even though they were wayward people. And we see how many times they sinned against God and how they grumbled against God and they were wayward people. God heard them and he loved them and he turned to them and he had pity on them and he gave them mercy and he does the same thing for you. What I can tell you today is I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you've gotten a phone call from a doctor and it's a report that you really didn't want to hear. Maybe the one you love has walked in and told you they don't love you anymore. They want a divorce or they want out. Maybe you have a wayward child and maybe that is a financial problem that there's more bills than there is money whatever it is what I can tell you is that give it to God God will hear your cry if you remorsefully come to him and you say Lord I need you Lord it's not me it's you Lord forgive me of what I've done Lord let me be closer to you I can assure you that God hears that prayer God will take care of you just like he did the children of Israel. God will take care of you just like he did David. Throughout David's life, David turned to God. He was a man after God's own heart. And David knew where his strength came from. Do you know where your strength comes from? And then David finally just throws down the gauntlet in verse 10 and says, All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled, and they shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And what David says right here is that, God has heard my prayer and he's restored me. And because he's restored me, guess what? Now it's trouble for my enemies. My enemies shall be ashamed. Those that said, look at him. See, God has forsaken him. Those that said he's greatly troubled, but he can't come back. God has left him. He's turned his back on him. David says, no, that's not the case. And now that God has restored me, you will be put to shame. You will see what God's going to do. There are going to be times in your life when you are going through a trouble. And because you've made a stand for Christ, there are going to be those that are going to say, God has forsaken you. Think about Job in the Bible. They said, turn and curse God. Job said, no, I won't do it. Even his wife told him to. Yet Job stood firm. God restored twofold everything Job had. What i tell you today is no matter what you're going through, God is there with you. There may be dark clouds. There may be rain coming down. God is there with you. Are you willing to make that stand? Are you willing to walk out in faith? Are you willing to be remorseful of that sin and turn it and turn from it? Are you willing to get rid of the evildoers? Are you willing to say, get away from me? Because that's what David was willing to do. I started off this lesson by telling you that one of the hardest things for us to do is to admit that we're wrong, to admit that we've sinned admit that we've sinned against God and be remorseful for it. And what David shows us today is how that we can have a repentant heart, how we can have a contrite spirit. We need to be like David. We need to be someone after God's own heart. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and I thank you for allowing us to see the vulnerability of David. Lord, that when life was falling apart. He didn't say, it's not my fault. It's so-and-so's fault. That's not what David did. David took ownership and he asked for mercy. He asked for your mercy. Lord, I pray for the one right now that needs you today. Lord, that they will see it just like David did. And they won't try to pass the blame, but they will own it. They will turn from it. They will get away from the evil one. And Lord, they'll come back to you. Lord, maybe there's that one that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray for them today. Right now, Lord, that they would ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, they would believe that you went to the cross, you died, that you overcame death and rose again, and you did all that for the sins that we have. Lord, you were the perfect sacrifice. You were the blood sacrifice that washes us white as snow when we accept you and make you Lord of our life. I pray today that they will do that and that they will turn from their sins and they will strive to walk with you better every day. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you give us. We're going to give you all the honor and glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.